We dreamed it, you asked for it, and now we've got it. The program is set, the power is infused. A Vision for You is hosting a big book convention for compulsive overeaters. Consider this your personal invitation. A Vision for You presents the power of the big book, a weekend of inspiration, education, motivation, and fellowship. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, October 30th, 31st, and November 1st, from 7 o'clock p.m. Friday night until closing at 12.15 Sunday in Virginia Beach, Virginia, at the Wyndham Hotel and Convention Center. An entire weekend of teachers and speakers walking this big book right up to you. It's alive and it's relevant for compulsive overeaters. Come to learn how the directions in the big book can turn your life around. A solution that works with the directions to work it. Powerhouse Big Book teachers assembled under one gigantic convention roof, introducing, guiding, demonstrating, motivating, teaching the power of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the lives of compulsive overeaters. It will be electric. It will be dynamic. It will be contagious. Hope you catch it. If you haven't done so already, take a moment now and register for this tremendous event. To register, go to the website of A Vision for You Big Book Study, www.avisionforyou.info. See you there. Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August 13th, 2015. Today we are reading from the AA Big Book, and we will begin reading the last paragraph of page 154, beginning with, but what about his responsibilities? Through two paragraphs ending what it meant to be alcoholic. First paragraph will be for context, and we will focus our sharing on the second paragraph. Today our readers are, for the 12 steps, Tasha G., 12 Traditions, Janice B., and our readers for the text will be Anita J., Rebecca F., and Elaine B. The reference number for Wednesday, August 12, 2015, is 7908. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating, and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of our recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tasha G. 
to read the 12 steps. Tasha G. Sorry about that. I thought that I was unmuted. Um, my name is Natasha G. from Connecticut, and I am a compulsive overeater. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step 1. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. 2. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 3. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. 4. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 5. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 6. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Natasha G. I will now ask Janice B. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B. in Vermont, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 
OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or communities directly responsible to those they serve. Ken, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Janice B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked Excuse me. <clears throat> this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we will resume our study of the AA Big Book on page 154, beginning with, but what about his responsibilities? Please read through two paragraphs ending with what it meant to be alcoholic. The first paragraph is for content only, or context only, rather, and we will focus our sharing on the second paragraph only. I will now ask Anita J. to begin reading. Thank you, Sally. Thank you for your service. Uh, This is Anita J., a recovered, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater um, in Massachusetts. But what about his responsibilities, his family, and the men who would die because they would not know how to get well? Ah, yes, those other alcoholics. There must be many such in this town, He would phone a clergyman. His sanity returned, and he thanked God. Selecting a church at random from the directory, he stepped into a booth and lifted the receiver. His call to the clergyman led him presently to a certain resident of the town who, though formally able and respected, was then nearing the nadir of alcoholic despair. It was the usual situation. Home in jeopardy, wife ill, children distracted, bills in arrears, and standing damaged. He had a desperate desire to stop, but saw no way out, for he had earnestly tried many avenues of escape. Painfully aware of being somehow abnormal, the man did not fully realize what it meant to be alcoholic. 
Well, now, you know, uh, of course, I had to look up. Everybody looks up these words. Nader is the lowest point. And, uh, you know, with that description, litany of what his life was like, it said he was nearing the nadir, and um, he wasn't at his lowest point. He was nearing it. And I think about the times when I certainly look like, if this if this not a low point, what the heck is it? But it wasn't. And um, I know that I had to really realize this did not just affect me. It affected everybody. And obviously it usually is not as dramatic as as uh, families where where the um where there was alcohol. But it affected everybody. The healthier I've gotten in my life, the more I saw that I wasn't really there. And I thought it was my husband who wasn't really there. That that may be true, who knows, but I wasn't really there. Either I was painfully aware of my fat and faking it in my life, or painfully aware that I wasn't looking and behaving like other other wives, um, other partners, painfully aware of what my in-laws thought of me. Um, but that had absolutely nothing to do with my stopping, and I had a disconnect. And I think as long as I had a disconnect, that this is affecting every area of your life, Going for a job is harder, you know, if you're if you're way in the two hundreds and you're just five foot three. It's harder. It's harder to sit there and act competent. Um, act. That was the key. Act. So the thing is, this is telling his story and how he's honing in and how Bill, thank you God, was God inspired to um call that clergyman out of the whole directory, he called that clergyman who led him to Dr. Bob and led us to sitting here this morning, reading and reflecting and identifying. That is the point where we have finally realized what it really meant. Cut it out, kid. It had nothing to do with your waistline. It had to do with your entire life. And those who loved you and and who encountered you, and with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. Thank you, Anita. I'm sorry, I was muted. Who else would like to share on page 155, the first full paragraph? Mary B. Reva P. Can I hear the first two people? I I got the Mary B. I got the Reva P. And before those two, I heard two. Kim G. Kim G. And who else besides Kim G? Elaine B. Elaine B. Okay. Vasa O. And I heard Charles. Let's go with those five. Kim G. Elaine B. Mary B. Reva P. And Charles. Kim G. You're up first. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And chomping at the bit, this this means so much to me. It says painfully aware 
of being somehow abnormal, the man did not fully realize what it meant to be alcoholic. You know, when Bill came to see Bob and, and he gave him the medical business hard and Bob for the first time understood what it was that he was an alcoholic and, and what that meant medically, he was so excited to find out how Bill escaped and he, his heart just dropped when he found out it was this Oxford group tenants because he had been in the Oxford group for years and not been able to do what they told him to do. But it was because he was painfully unaware of being abnormal, but he didn't realize what it meant to be alcoholic, so he couldn't work the tenants the way he needed to because he didn't understand what he suffered from. And that so explains my experience. And I'm just going to explain what my experience was when I came into Overeaters Anonymous. I was told I had a threefold disease. It was physical, emotional, and spiritual. I was given a food plan, and I was told not what not to eat. I was never shown the doctor's opinion. I never understood the allergy of the body. I was just told, if I eat the way these people tell me to eat, that means I'm abstinent. In the meetings, it totally stressed the emotional. It, I was told that the fellowship will love me till I love myself. That the problem was I had bad emotions, and if I could get good emotions, I wouldn't want to eat. And the solution to these, this emotional problem was meetings, it was phone calls, I was told share it or wear it. If I feel good, I won't eat. If I picked up, the problem was I wasn't, I wasn't doing enough meetings. I wasn't making enough phone calls. I needed a new sponsor. I wasn't feeling good. And as far as those steps were concerned, don't worry about that. When you get physically and emotionally stable, that's when you work on the steps, which is the spiritual program. And when I, from five years ago, after yet another relapse, I came into a meeting with people who were properly armed with facts about themselves. When they taught me about this allergy, and then it, the allergy was specific to me, and I realized that I had been trying to get sober drinking light beer. I had eliminated a lot of the stuff, but there was still stuff I was eating because I didn't understand the allergy, so I was trying to get sober while drinking light beer as an analogy. And I was taught it wasn't emotional. I taught it was mental, a mental blank spot that I cannot protect myself from unless I have a spiritual experience. And that was taught to me by this simple quiz, which I want to ask you guys. If it truly is emotional, like I was taught, did I eat when I was happy? Yeah. Did I eat when I was sad? Yes. Did I eat on a good day? Yes. Did I eat on a bad day? Yes. So it couldn't be emotional. So what I think is so incredible is the reason that Bob was able to work the steps the way he never was before, because he now fully realized what it meant to be alcoholic. The reason after 17 years away, I could fully work these steps in a way I never did before was because I was taught that doctor's opinion and I fully understood what it meant to be to be a compulsive overeater. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And Elaine B., you're up. And Mary B., you'll be up next. Thank you for your service, Sally. Appreciate it. Um, yes, this is a powerful paragraph. I was actually reflecting on the clergyman who saw this, you know, this doctor in his church, well-respected, you know, able family, seeing his life crumble before him. And, you know, I, I reflect on what people thought of me, you know, my my family just seeing me old and obese. <laughs> you know, desperate for a relationship and yet 100 pounds overweight and just spending every night at home with a bag or a box. And um, 
they were worried. They were concerned, and I was too. You know, I knew, I was painfully aware I was somehow abnormal. I had other disease manifestations in my house, um, anorexia, bulimia, and I just, I, I wore my fat like a badge, knowing I, I was abnormal, but not knowing that I could find a solution. I was very pleased when I came into the rooms of OA and heard that, you know, other people were like me. Even though I was abnormal, I was not the only one. That brought me a lot of comfort, but I also saw people who carried this message in their body. They carried this message of recovery in their, um, you know, who they were. And that that set a promise for me. Uh, Anita J. read the definition of, of nadir, nadir um, and my, def- my definition does say the lowest place or, or the bottom, but even if it's close to the bottom, um, you know, one of the things about this meeting and the power that we have carrying the message is that is, as the 12 and 12 talks about, we can raise the bottom for some people. On page 23, it talks about, uh, you know, people can be spared the last 10 or 15 years of literal hell the rest of us had gone through. What track was Dr. Bob going down with his, his home in jeopardy, his wife, ill children, distract, distracted bills and arrears, and his standing damaged, you know? He, he also, when he went around to make his amends, he kind of thought that, oh, well, people people didn't really think they would know. They know. They they could see me walking down the street and not know me at all. They knew I had a problem with food. But I want to talk about, I, I just want to read in the 12 and 12 something um, that has been helpful and meaningful for me, um, you know, Bill W. And, and the community's reflection on step one. Um, why all this insistence that every AA must hit bottom first? The answer is that few people will sincerely try to practice the AA program unless they have hit prop- bottom. For practicing AA's remaining 11 steps means the adoption of attitudes and actions that almost no alcoholic who is still drinking can dream of taking. Who wishes to be rig- rigorously honest and tolerant? Who wants to confess his faults to another and make restitution for harm done? Who cares anything about a higher power, let alone meditation and prayer? Who wants to sacrifice time and energy in trying to carry AA's message to the next sufferer? No, the average compulsive overeater, self-centered to the extreme, does not care for this prospect unless he has to do these things in order to stay alive himself. And that's what we're here for. That's why we're on these rooms, carrying this message, living this out, sharing our experience with the steps, because... There is a solution. There is a solution. So I just want to encourage uh, those listening on the line, you know, hearing our stories, um, identifying in, perhaps we can raise the bar for you so that you don't have to um, lift, live through those last 10 or 15 years of literal hell and that, um, you know, it, the, book, the 12 and 12 continues, we stand ready to do anything which will lift the merciless obsession from us, and we hope we find you there soon and working with others. Thank you so much. With that, I pass. Saudi, can you hear me? Sally, press star one. And in the meantime, if Sally's getting back, why don't Reva P. please start reading? Oh, I I think think it was my turn. Yes, Mary B., it's your turn. Forgive me. 
Thank Mary you. B, and then Reva P, you'll be up next. Uh, thank you. This is Mary B, uh, gratefully recovered in Central California for today. And I want to thank Sally for your service. And um, it took me many years in program to find the higher power that I was seeking. And uh, if I hadn't already found this wonderful, loving, close relationship that I have with the higher power, I would have found it in these two paragraphs. And I can't do one without the other, but I underline these words, selecting a church at random, the clergyman, and a certain resident. And I thought the way my higher power would have talked to Bill, Bill, you're not going into that bar. Get over to that telephone. I have a job for you to do, and it's very important. You're going to pick that church, and that clergyman is going to be there to take your call. And you're going to go meet the other guy that I picked for this very important job. And I can just see that higher power at work. Why that church? Why didn't they say there's nobody here right now? Why didn't he get a clergyman who said, I'm sorry, but I just don't know anybody that you're looking for? No, it just worked out just that way. And as I look back over the years and I see God just move me around, I think of a chess game, which I can't even play, but just picked up by the scruff of the neck and moved to the place, the meeting, the sponsor, the abstinence, just exactly where I was supposed to be. And I think that's all I have to share this morning. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Mary B. And Reva P., you're up. And Charles, you'll be up next. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. I'd like to share on the last sentence in this paragraph, which is the man did not fully realize what it meant to be alcoholic. And uh, first, I noticed the words that remind me of where I was before I came into program. Despair, desperate, saw no way out, and painful, and knowing that I'm somehow abnormal. But I didn't know, I didn't fully realize what it meant to be a real compulsive overeater before I came into this program. And just like Dr. Bob, you know, I was pretty smart. I I thought, you know, I had a pretty good brain um, and I had my degrees and why couldn't I figure this out? And thank you, God, I read the doctor's opinion when I first came into this program so I understood the twofold nature of this disease where I have a physical allergy and a mental obsession. Um, and be, being realizing, fully realizing how my thinking, my thinking is off. This is a lifelong venture for me. Um, so yes, steps four through nine, I remove the major obstacles um, to access to my higher power and clear God-directed thinking, but now with steps 10, 11, and 12, every day, every day I need to fully realize what it means to be a compulsive overeater, 
Um, and for me, my thinking doesn't always differentiate the true from the false. And my best ideas get me into trouble. And it's no longer about, you know, my best idea was to pick up X, Y, or Z food um, to solve the problem. But I could also have crazy, insane ideas of how to solve problems if I don't pause and ask. And who do I ask? I ask my higher power, not Reva, for the right thought and the right action. And I'll give two examples. I was on a three-way conversation phone call with um, a staff from my mother's hospital and my brother. And I just was inspired to see that we were getting into a real debate, um, you know, one opinion versus another. And it wasn't me. It was just divinely inspired that I mentioned a third option. And that's what's happening now. And it's amazing. And that's how my higher power works when I get out of the way and I fully realize that I don't know the answers. And second example, we're having some trouble with a store and a business. And again, I didn't see any way out. My best thinking, you know, wasn't solving the problem. And I paused and asked, and somebody else actually is helping us, somebody in the family. And I don't know that until I get there, um, but I just need to fully realize every 24 hours I need to ask because my best thinking got me into this place in the first place. So um, obviously, if I knew how to cure things and do this, I would have done it years and years ago. Um, and that's all I have. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Reva P. And Charles, it's your turn. Thank you, Sally. Thank you for your service. Charles H., a recovered visionary just on the line. You know, I've got tears in my eyes looking at this um, paragraph. Um, but I'm going to come at it like saying, you know, um, that I knew I was destroying my life, and I, I, I just I just couldn't stop, right? I just didn't want to stop. But I want to, you know, you know, as others have shared, thank God for the doctor's opinion, right? And, you know, even with Bill W., I identify in with just being in those rehab and having that vision, like maybe I can help others, even though he wasn't recovered yet. Well, he was recovered, you know, by that time. But I'm just saying, having a vision, especially on page eight or, you know, in Bill's story, I'm talk- listen, I'm not intellectual when it comes. I'm not a big book thumper. I'm trying to get there. But I want to I wanna look at page two. This blew my mind when I, I read it so many times but I never identified it. I commenced to forge the weapon that one day would turn in its flight like a boomerang and all but cut me to ribbons. Yo, yo, I was a stone-cold crackhead for food and crack. God can turn a mess into a message, right? Right, like I just revised. Like I said, I'm never going to those weak meetings, those 2% recovery rates. No, but the vision is for me to go there and show the love through the plan of action that I've learned. Yeah, not shove it down nobody's throat, but show the love. Yo, OA is clicked up, man. They pick their friends. They, they don't care about the newcomer. They cut out. They share and cut out. Nobody stay 10 minutes after the meeting to talk to the newcomer. The newcomer is the blood that we need, that new blood. Because if I hang out with all recovered people, I'm going to think one day my mind is going to tell me I'm cured. 
I need to give this program to somebody. I strongly suggest you take somebody's hand that's willing, stay on the 8 to 9, give your number, and take somebody through that job opinion. Take them through the field story. Take them through their conclusions. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped up this morning, y'all. Let's get it. I'm a fast. Thank you, Sally. Thank you, Charles. And I'm Sally A., recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. I'm going to jump in here and um, take a turn on this paragraph. It's, there's so much here and so much has been said that's very valuable. I want to just hone in on a couple of words that haven't really been looked at. It says here that though formally able and respected, he was at one time able and respected. We're talking about Dr. Bob here, and it reminds me that we have progressive illness. At the bottom of page 30, about four or five lines up, it tells us we are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grips of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. So if you are like this man and you are still standing, it says here that he had this list of wife ill, children distracted, bills in the arrears, and standing. If you are still standing, but you know down deep that you're damaged, you might, you might have what we have. You might be a real compulsive overeater. You might have the type of illness that we have. You might have been formally able and respected, and you might see that something is terribly wrong and that you're damaged, and that while you're still standing, that you perhaps are not going to take too long to reach your bottom, your nadir, and reach this place of, as was so beautifully said, this paragraph uses these powerful words, despair, desperate, he saw no way out, and somehow that he knew he was somehow abnormal. And this again, page 30, speaks to the fact that we are not like other people. At the top of the page, it tells us we've made countless vain attempts to prove we could eat like other people. And down the middle of the page, it tells us this is the first step in recovery, the delusion that we are like other people, or presently maybe, has to be smashed. And five times on page 30 and 31, it tells us we're not like other people. And so what will it take for you to reach your bottom, for you to reach, you, you probably heard people talk about being desperate, having the reaching the gift of desperation, because it, you have to reach a point where you see no way out where you honestly can reach the end of you, the end of self, the end of, I can figure this out, I can find another way. When you reach the place where you know there is no other way, and you surrender and you are willing, finally, humbly, honestly, willing, that's where this man was when he reached this point where he knew, painfully aware of being somehow abnormal, the man did not fully realize just how abnormal, but he had reached a level of bottom, a level of desperation, a level of, I'm at the end of the me, me trying to figure my way out of this box, and I'm finally ready to let you help me. Thanks for letting me share. And who else would like to share on this paragraph? Nessa R. Nessa Amy. L. Amy G. Mark J. Leah. Amy G. Mark J. Mark J. And I heard Leah. Let me go with those. That's what I heard. Nessie, Amy, 
I heard an Amy, and then I heard Do L, and then I heard Amy G, and then I heard Mark L, and then Leah M. Nessie, let's go. Let's begin with you. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Nessie R. I recovered compulsive overeater in um, Toronto, Canada. Uh, the end of this paragraph really describes how I actually got Overeaters Anonymous. Um, he had a desperate desire to stop, but saw no way out. Um, I had tried so many things, all kinds of diets, like all the commercial diets you can imagine. I tried restricting. I tried restricting and purging. I tried um, binging and purging. Today actually is the uh, 13th anniversary of my, if you want to call it that, abstinence from uh, bulimia. Um, so that's, that in itself is, is, is very remarkable. Um, but I got to a point where, and all those things worked for a time, but then I got to a point where everything stopped working. I couldn't purge anymore. I couldn't diet anymore. The diet didn't work. I, I, I couldn't um, take the weight off, let alone um, keep it off. And I became painfully aware that I was somehow abnormal. And a flash of inspiration was put in my mind by God. And I thought, you know, if there is Alcoholics Anonymous, is there Overeaters Anonymous? And I just Googled it. And I got to these rooms um, 12 or 13 years ago. And on my first meeting, I found out that I had a disease. But unfortunately, I did not fully realize what it meant to be alcoholic at that meeting because it took me another nine years in the room before somebody showed me the doctor's opinion and explained to me what it truly meant to be alcoholic. But I stuck around for those nine years, even though I wasn't recovering and I wasn't getting a lot of um, meaningful abstinence or even physical um, weight loss, because I knew, I knew that I was abnormal and I knew that if I left, there would be 400 pounds out there waiting for me. And I am so grateful for that. It took nine years, but at least it happened. It happened, um, you know, people, my sponsor brought me to the doctor's opinion and to realize what truly means to, uh, to be a compulsive overeater. And so now when I go to meetings, I go to meetings like the ones that I went to, um, you know, 12 years ago in order to bring this message, the message of what it truly means to be a compulsive overeater, and not only what it truly means, but also how, how to deal with it, you know, how to get out of it, you know, how to put the food down, how to work the steps, and recover. Um, and that's the message that I bring to meetings again, so perhaps I'll be able to spare just one more person from being in the room for nine years before discovering the solution. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nessar. And Amy, Amy, what's the first initial of your last name? Amy. Okay. Amy, were you looking for Amy G? Were you looking for oh. Amy G or there were another two, Amy? There were two Amy's, but go ahead, oh, Amy G. You go pardon. ahead. Do, do you be up next? Oh, oh are you sure? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, hi everyone. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland, and uh, thank you so much for your service, Sally. 
greatly appreciate it. Awesome meeting. I'm just going to focus briefly on this one sentence. It was the usual situation. Home in jeopardy, wife ill, children distracted, bills in arrears, and standing damage. She was desperate desire to stop, but there was no way out. You know, it was the usual situation. Um, and as Sally mentioned, too, you know, the results of this disease are, are always the same. And until I was willing to admit that my way was never going to work and that I, there was nothing I could do to change it, that it, the results were always going to be the same, that every time I picked up that compulsive bite, I was going to take a ride with the four terrible horsemen of terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. It says here, unhappy drinkers, or for us eaters who read this page, will understand. The definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. The result for me every time I picked up that compulsive bite was the same. And it says here on page 25, if you're seriously as alcoholic as we were, where there, there was no middle-of-the-road solution. We had but two options. One was to keep eating into oblivion or picking up the spiritual kid of tools. And what are those spiritual kid of tools? The spiritual kid is surrender. Step one, working the rest of the steps like my life depends upon it and carrying the message to the still-suffering compulsive overeater. And this is what these last few paragraphs have been about, you know, where Bill then carries the message to Bob. This is an equal opportunity disease, and it's full of those three Ds, denial, delusion, and defiance. I had to stop deluding myself that there was a way that I could figure this out or there was a special way that I could work this program, i.e. buffet style, take what I leave and leave what is uncomfortable. I had to know without a shadow of a doubt to my innermost self, concede to my innermost self who and what I was, a compulsive overeater. Now, when I first came into the program, I didn't understand about the concept of the disease, but I did know that I couldn't stop eating, and I did know that everything I tried hadn't worked. I had come to the bottom, and I was willing to work this program, and eventually I was taught the way. But they say, don't walk out five minutes before the miracle, because the results from the disease are always going to be the same. And then the other three Ds, when I'm dying desperate and des dying desperate and doomed, then, then I'm going to work this program. And by the grace of God, that's what I did. I started to work this program. And just as the results are usual for the disease, the results for this program are also usual if I work this program and I work these steps. It says on page 17, a common solution. There's no secret code, folks. If we work this program, we too can be happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. And do L, you're up. And Mark, you'll be up next. Good morning. This is do L, Recover Compulsive Overeater from New York. Thank you so much. I'm also going to echo those words again because I think repetition is really good <laughs> for us compulsive overeaters because we have a built-in forgetter. Um, it says he had a desperate desire to stop but saw no way out, and he tried many avenues. But painfully aware that somehow he was abnormal, um, he did not realize what it meant to be an alcoholic. And for a lot of us coming in or being in these rooms, not knowing what we are kills us. Not knowing what the disease is kills us. Um, and that's why we have everything illustrated so beautifully in the doctor's opinion because it tells us exactly what we are. You know, it says in the doctor's opinion, we must believe that the, the alcoholic compulsive overeater is abnormal in the mind and has an allergy of the body. So two things I must believe about myself, that I'm not going to be like another person that can eat 
everything in sight, you know, and not gain the weight, and not gain the consequences, and not gain the unmanageability. I must believe that once I go into these foods that causes me this allergy, that I am abnormally different. That something happens in my mind, something happens in my body, that I am not going to be able to pull that off. And then it says that I need to be painfully aware of this, that I need to be des- desperate, and I have to have a desire, you know, and there's a price to pay for freedom. You know, freedom isn't free, and there's a price to pay. And what is that price? First, my food has to be down. That is the first price I pay. The second price I pay is the self. The self has to be down. Because as long as I think I can control this, as long as I think I can do this, there's no room for God. Because I'm still playing God. I'm still thinking that I can do things myself. You know, so I will go on to the bitter end, you know, trying different avenues, trying different things. And it will never work, for, at least for the compulsive overeater, it will not work. Because we need a different solution. And it's not found in the self. It's found outside of the self. And it's called a higher power. And so, you know, here it's talking about the fact that, you know, if I want this, I need to know who I am. And who I am is that I am a compulsive overeater. I have a mental obsession that tells me somehow, someday, I will be able to control and enjoy my eating like other people. And I am not like other people. I have a physical allergy. Once I ingest those foods, once too many, a hundred's not enough. And I have to realize that if I'm, I am to recover. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Do. And Mark L., it's your turn. Leah, you'll be up next. Mark L., we can't hear you. Star 1 to unmute. Mark L., star 1 to unmute. Okay, Leah. Thank you so much. Sally, thank you. Painfully aware of being somehow abnormal, the man did not realize what it meant to be alcoholic. Um, You know, powerful words, I relate to that. You know, I didn't realize, uh, painfully aware, uh, you know, that Leah was somehow abnormal. Uh, She did not fully realize what it meant to be a real compulsive overeater. I did not know what I was up against. I did not understand the depths to which this disease was going to drag me. Um, But indeed it did. And, you know, obviously Bill here, Bill W., is in hot water in the Mayflower Hotel, and he realizes that in order to save himself, he must carry the message to another alcoholic. And so he, you know, perseveres, and after 10 phone calls, reaches Dr. Bob. And, yes, Bill W. has a message to carry, and the message he carried was the, uh, you know, the um, real nature, the condition, the twofold illness of the real alcoholic. This was information that he had gathered from Dr. Silkworth, that he had a twofold illness, and this is what Dr. Bob did not know, that, uh, you know, he, they had a physical allergy that manifested itself in a phenomenon of craving, that they were biologically mandated, uh, their very cells demanded to be satisfied with alcohol beyond their ability to control it. And I relate to that, because there are certain food substances 
that I am biologically mandated to have that phenomenon of craving. It's like taking a match and throwing it in a bucket of gasoline. Whoosh! And then, of course, on the other side of the sword is the obsession of the mind, a mental obsession that took possession of Bill and Bob and Leah Marcus. <laughs> and one idea enters our consciousness and dominates it in such a way that all other ideas are shoved aside. We don't learn from our consequences. We cannot connect the dots. I did not know this about myself. I did not know I was bodily and mentally different. Dr. Bob did not understand that either until uh, Bill Wilson came. You know, we have a delusion that we are like other people, but that delusion has to be smashed. Thank God for uh, Bill W. who needed to carry this message. And, you know, when I look at the history where God uh, took these people, beginning with Ebby Thatcher and then Roland Hazard and then the Oxford groups and Dr. Silkworth, and now it's Bill W. carrying the message to Dr. Bob, you know, I realize that God uses people. He put it together so that you and I could have it today, and God has always picked people to do his job for him. And if he picked people then, then that means that perhaps a higher power, God, as we understand him, is still picking people today. And that is our responsibility as compulsive overeaters, real compulsive overeaters who have recovered, is to carry this message. And it begins with the doctor's opinion. That's why we read the big book in the, con- in the sequence it was written. Allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leah. And one more call from Mark. And I thought there was an Amy E. this morning. Either of you there? This is Mark Jay. Okay, Mark, take it away. Thank you very much. Um, my name is Mark Jay. I'm a uh, compulsive overeater from Hebron, Connecticut. And the part that really struck out at me was that last sentence, painfully aware of being somehow abnormal. And uh, that was me. Uh, back in 2001, I went to my first OA meeting. It was 22 women and me, and I was desperate. I was I was getting weight, getting weight, and could not lose weight, and did not know how diets didn't work. Nothing worked for me anymore. Um, that first meeting, I just sobbed and cried through the whole meeting. It was 22 women and me there, and. Uh, after the meeting, a young woman came up to me, uh, who later became my sponsor, and uh, she took me aside and talked to me for a while and uh, asked me what I was going to have for lunch, and we went through that whole thing. I told her, and she said she was going to call me back and, and see what happened, and she later became my sponsor. And uh, that first year, I, I did very well. Um, I lost 60 pounds. I don't know if you're supposed to say weight or not, but... Um, and I was in service. I was active. I was going to meetings. I was really into the program. And um, unfortunately, or fortunately, she had a baby, and I, the baby took precedence over me. And I didn't. Uh, she wasn't my sponsor anymore. And I kind of weighed away. And I've been back and forth ever since. But I can really appreciate that gift of desperation. I mean, I was desperate. I couldn't buy clothes in department stores anymore, and I just did not know what I was going to do. And I was so relieved to learn that I did have a disease um, of the mind, body, and spirit. And there, there was not something wrong specifically with me that other people were like me. And uh, I was so glad to find OA. And um, 
I've been in and out for years, and this time um, I, I'm in for good, and I have a great sponsor, and I think that uh, I'm going to stick with it and, and finally get this extra weight off of me. And uh, I have problems with my back. I'm going to have an operation, and I really am done carrying around this extra weight, and I know a way is the way to do it. So thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. And we have time for just one one more share. Larry. Brief. Sarah, Larry, who's the person who brought you, Larry? Sarah W. I don't know. Sarah, I thought I heard you. Okay, if you guys could be brief. We just got a couple of minutes. Um, Larry and then Sarah will take us right to the end. Sally, I'll be brief. Thanks for your service. Um, you know, all I was going to say is unless we tap into a defense we'll never be able to stop the avalanche of this, of the, of the torturous uh, obsession of the mind, you know, um, in other words, without the help of a, of a power greater than myself, all I will get is temporary respite from the cravings, which come as a result of the uh, obsession of the mind. And, you know, temporary sobriety will always result in eventually succumbing to the disease. If you're a true compulsive overeater, see, it's too powerful without a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. It's not a question of if I'm going to pick up, oh, I'm going to pick up. It's only a question of when. And the vision for us is complete eradication of the obsession. The mind is extracted right out of you. And Dr. Bob stated, it is a most wonderful blessing to be relieved of the terrible curse with which I was afflicted. See, the problem was removed. His sanity was restored. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Larry. And Sarah? Good morning, Sally. Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, I really appreciated hearing all the shares today. And, you know, it is about a first step, which is all about honesty. And uh, to come to the place where I can say I truly know that I am a compulsive overeater and that I need to have this program to change everything about myself, not only the food, but everything. And I was thinking of that first paragraph that we read um, where it says, um, what about his responsibilities? And I just wanted to leave with this because it's one of my favorite parts in the big book where it says, cling to the thought that in God's hands the dark past is the greatest possession you have, the key to to life and happiness for others, with it you can avert death and misery for them. And I'm sure that when Bill was, was thinking this and was going through this, I'm sure this is what returned in his mind that this is how he was going to have his purpose, and this is ours also. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And, Fossa, I'm sorry we didn't get you in here. And maybe you could share on the next hour. And I want to thank everyone who has shared. Please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. We'll... Uh, Rebecca F., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Rebecca F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.